Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 15 of the rebranded uh, The Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I've got my buddy Mike Dole on here today. He's a pretty cool character in the fitness universe. And if you're not familiar with him, well, he's a co-founder of Stronger You, which is a company I love. And uh, he's the uh, business mind behind that as well. My cat, Ozzy, just jumped up on the uh, counter. So there he is. Mike, it's great to have you back, buddy. It's been a little while. Dude, thank you, man. I, You know, I love you. I, I just have to correct you on one thing, and I hope Alessi doesn't get upset. But I'm the solo founder of Stronger You. Oh. This was my stupid, crazy idea with oh. my cell phone, what, almost six years ago? But yeah, Alessi is our COO. He he came in and helped me really structure everything because before him, I was just a fool on a cell phone talking about food stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I had the misconception. Funny, I actually written it as founder and then I plugged it as like, oh, well, I don't want to be disrespectful, but okay, cool. <laughs> now everybody knows that you are the technical sole founder and then Alessi's been, uh, you know, your right hand man the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, got the cat out of my lap before he scratched me. So he's looking like he wants some attention. But he's not important and you are. So yeah, we've been planning this for a little while. I've been trying to squeeze, man, my schedule has been nuts. So I've been trying to squeeze these podcasts into my schedule, which, you know, me and Dean used to have a dedicated Thursday morning and now I plug them in wherever the hell I can find time. But, uh, you know, that's the year and I'm gratefully busy. And, you know, one of the things I've been asking most of our recent guests is our, my recent guests is, you know, how you've approached the unique challenge of 2020 and, you know, I'll extend that out to, you know, Stronger You's really been growing. You guys are doing amazing. You know, what kind of challenges have popped up along the way that have sort of surprised you? And, and how is your ph philosophy in approaching all this stuff? Dude, I mean, this year has been kind of nuts. Like, for the most part, we've been on cruise control, you know, growing word of mouth, uh, hiring awesome coaches. Everything's been cool. And then, you know, COVID hits and a lot of people were like, man, you're lucky to be online. And I'm like, dude, you don't, you don't understand. Cause when everyone was locked up losing jobs and not spending money, what do you think they're going to toss to the side, you know, online nutrition coaching. So, and I thought it was actually like three to four weeks, but Alessi and I were going over some stuff for like year end. And I realized it was like two and a half months that really like set us back a, a bit with COVID. So I mean, we, we managed, uh, we're back to normal now, a little bit busier than we think uh, we even were last year. And we can't help but think that it has affected us. So my big thing right now is like, we're good. I, I remember talking to you when, when stuff was going down and I was like, oh my God, man, these, these trainers in gyms, like that's what I'm worried for. It, it scares the crap out of me, man. Well, I've been lucky with it because, you know, I spoke about this before, but I just whipped together a home gym real fast. I had some, uh, you know, friends have some equipment. I loaned some stuff. I bought a bunch of stuff just before everything just had a mad rush. And, and I worked straight through, right? And, you know, I just kept it on the low key because there's some people pretty savage about it. But honestly, given what we know now, I look back and I'm going, fuck, I'm glad I did. My clients are grateful for, you know, the refuge to stay physically and mentally healthy and happy. And that's a super important thing, but I don't want to dig jam on the COVID thing too much because that's been a recent topic of a lot of uh, these episodes, or at least too much of them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, a lot, a lot of trainers didn't have the luxury of, you know, the basement space, the resources, and the ability to even get their hands on this stuff. So it's been a tough one. And now we're starting to see, you know, Toronto uh, put a 30-day lockdown again. Quebec <laughs> trainers are dealing with the same problem. Uh, you know, in Winnipeg, they're going pretty hardcore at this stuff. And so, yeah, there's no guarantees. And then we've got friends like, you know, Chad Landers and our other friend, Melody Schoenfeld, they're all down in California. 
And I haven't talked to either of them recently, but if I'm not mistaken, I mean, they would still be under the forced order to keep their doors closed, right? Yeah, I talked to Chad about five minutes before we got on, and uh, he said to tell you hi. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I got to bring him back here too, but we had him during the COVID stretch, so it's always good to talk with him. A genuinely amazing human. If anybody listening isn't familiar with our friend Chad Landers, this is someone that He's, he's a good person. He also, if you're fans of Cobra Kai, he trains the lead actor. And I can't remember the guy's name, the blonde guy, but Chad is actually his trainer and old friend. So if, if there's no other reason than to go check it out, he also looks far too much like Robert Downey Jr. Like way too much. You think so? I, I don't see it. Well, but well, I do love Cobra Kai. I, I think it's such an amazing show. You know, when Guido was going like ham with, putting his face on like Taylor Swift and all these, like the music videos when that was like briefly popular. That was hilarious. Man. That was horrifying. So if anyone's listening, who doesn't know my old podcast co-host. So Dean actually works for Mike at stronger. You, he's one of the coaches there and you guys are, you know, Dean does a lot of cool shit with you guys, but yeah. uh, <laughs> so Dean just decided this would be a good idea to splash his face on like scantily clad women's bodies in music videos when you could splash your face on this stuff. And again, terrible image. I'll never get that out of my mind. But Chad went and did it with a sequence of Robert Downey Jr. stuff. I couldn't tell that it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. except for one small piece. The rest of it, it's like, that's Robert Downey Jr. Anyway, so, but we digress off into ridiculousness. And it's sort of funny because like, it's great to catch up with you, but it's sort of a pet peeve of mine when the, the hosts of podcasts jam on about their personal shit instead of are a little bit on track. So actually I want audience to reach out to me and tell me if you like more of that stuff or if you like going straight to the meat and potatoes because uh i'm a little funny on that so we are a, a little bit more about kind of you know how you guys approach this challenge about the, the covid stuff and the yeah. 2020 stuff how you dealt with it i mean dude you you have to be nimble you have to think okay people are not coming like they usually come so we had to do more effort like we had a lot of more uh attention in our facebook group we did a lot of activities. We have a lot of Peloton riders. So we did a lot of live rides with people. Um, we did more Zoom calls with a bunch of people. So a lot of our coaches were giving people a little bit extra uh, because a lot of people were really stressed out. And we're in the, you know, the service business in the relationship business. And we had to be there for them. So we spent a lot of extra effort on those little um, soft touch things. No, I like that Peloton, huh? So you have a Peloton at home? I do. Yeah. I don't, I don't ride it that much, uh, exactly zero times, but, um, my wife has almost a thousand rides on it. So it's kind of crazy. I feel like, uh, I have to get her like balloons or something. Did you do the whole thing where you bought her the Peloton and then she had this cheesy reaction, like the commercial. And then do you remember that anyone? listening? Yeah, I remember that dude. That was a shit show, dude. Everyone was freaking out about the Peloton and I'm sitting here like, actually I got it for her for her birthday a couple of years ago. And it's like, I didn't get it for her because I thought she needed to lose weight or anything weird. Like she wanted a Peloton and I got it. And then a commercial comes out where it looks like somebody bought their wife a Peloton and everyone was like, oh, they're shaming her. And I'm like, what? What's happening with this? And it's like, I can't even have an opinion on it because I literally did it. I, I, I think this stuff gets a bit carried away. Anyone who follows my Instagram might have seen, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, I put up a post that was you know, entirely all about non-judgment and, and, you know, like uh, it was sort of this example of a, a woman who had lost, you know, hypothetical example of a woman who lost 50 pounds 
and she's enjoying ice cream, right? And I wrote this for years ago on Facebook and people love the hell of it. It was shared like crazy. So I revamped it for an Instagram graphic. Anyway, I've never had anything that's had more shares and com comments and reach and what have you by those metrics. But there's a couple of people got in there and they absolutely went fucking nuts attacking me. I even shared the, the comment in my story and it was, I was accused of this being rooted in white supremacy. Oh my, this yeah. is something about non-judgment. You know, of course, it was fat phobic, fat shaming, all that sort of stuff. But one, one person was like, why do you need to manufacture this sort of scenario, blah, 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 blah. And then another girl who said, like, I've lost 150 pounds. This happened to me. Thank you so much for sharing this. And, you know, I've talked to, you know, people in the industry who have bigger followings than I have. And they, they deal with this stuff fairly frequently. And, I mean, I, this stuff doesn't work on me anymore. You know, it doesn't shut me up to share positive messages because it doesn't align with the most extreme ends of ideological spectrums that we deal with in, in our world and nutrition. So if anybody listening is, you know, ever gets this kind of crap, like, just file these people away as being, they, they're, I don't want to call them crazy because I don't like using that kind of language because then they get mad about that too. But I don't think those people are helping. And I don't think you should be discouraged if you bump up against some of that stuff because the overwhelming majority of people loved that post, shared the hell out of it, really got a lot of value out of it. And those are the people I'm speaking to, not a handful of people who have a very different and potentially dangerous narrative. So anyway, yeah, there's a, oh, go ahead. There, there's just a lot of people that you, you will post something good. I mean, very helpful for most people. And then somebody makes it about them. And it's like, this wasn't even speaking to you. I mean, I remember maybe like a couple of years ago, I posted and I prefaced, prefaced the post. I said, if you wake up at 5 a.m. and do cardio just for fat loss, you might be better suited to just sleep a little bit longer. And someone is like, I love cardio in the morning. It makes me energized. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm talking about sleep here and like fat loss. So if you like it, cool. Are you well rested? Awesome. The post isn't for you then. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have a lot of trouble walking on by. I've seen yeah. numerous times with various posts that are fairly innocuous. The stuff that just no one could find any reason to be offended by. And someone who's not a follower stops by, says some sort of, you know, annoyed, difficult, upset sort of bullshit. And then they go on again. And I just look at this going, well, this wasn't for you. You took the time out of your day to get upset about this. I, I've seen this little graphic. I like it a lot uh, where you walk along the side of the road and oh, there's dog shit on, on the side of the road. And you go, you look at it, okay, that's dog shit. Cool. Just walk on. But these people literally go and they jump around and smush their shoes. There's dog shit into the shoes going, they roll it. They're like, I don't like this very much. This is horrible. And that's what happens when you see something online that you don't agree with. And you got to go in there and insert yourself into it and, and make a big fuss. And I mean, there's a difference between genuinely stupid, hateful, ignorant crap. We know there's plenty of that stuff out there. But I call it uh, chasing paper dragons because you don't actually have any real dragons to slay. So you're manufacturing, you know, being offended by something totally innocuous. And then you go and you slay that paper dragon, right? But it's not even real. Well, we, yeah, we got a little off track there, but either way, you guys have been doing a really cool job with SU. And uh, one of the things I was, I wanted to talk about because obviously you have a lot of coaches under your umbrella and it's been a destination. A lot of people want jobs at Stronger You. People are quietly asking, you wouldn't even know, right? So um, I've got a lot of industry friends who work for you guys. 
what is the appeal for coaches to work under, you know, an umbrella brand uh, versus building their own business and having an independent brand? And let's also touch on the fact that along the way, you've had a couple of, like my, our friend, Derek Stanley, unbelievable human yep. being, the death, he decided to go in on his own and grow beyond that. So let's jam on that whole thought. So I just want to clear the air. I fired Derek because he sucks at basketball. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, Derek is one of my favorite humans. Awesome dude. So yeah, because that comes up a lot, right? It's like, why would I work for a company when I could just do this on my own? Well, the hardest thing in this industry is getting customers. And that's something a bigger brand doesn't struggle as much at. at. And they also have systems, infrastructure, um, processes, people, because if you're by yourself, where are you getting information from? Like, I mean, we see it in precision nutrition, people ask questions in there and I'm like, oh boy, like we, we don't have that because we have all these people on our team that have seen and done this stuff so they can help each other. So, I mean, it really is about getting into the industry and doing the job you want to do, because if you're a coach, no one really taught you how to run a business, how to get customers, how to scale, how to deal with uh, poor customer interactions or any of that. And I, I know, you know, Goodman was talking about it a couple episodes ago where like people just generally suck at business. I mean, it's hard and I don't know if I'm any good at it. Maybe we got lucky along the way. Maybe Alessi bailed me out. I don't know. But that's the biggest thing for me is if you want to work or if you want to work in this industry, the chances might be greater if you join up with an organization that has established itself and can provide the members or clients for you to help. So it's all about what do you really want to do? Do you want to run a business and try to coach people or do you want to coach people and have the support of a bigger system? And I think and there's no right answer. It all depends on the person and, and the time. You know, and that makes a ton of sense because you're right. There are going to be a ton of people out there who they're great at the coaching, they're passionate. About coaching. And the thing that they kind of hate the most is needing to put yourself out there constantly creating social media or long form content. They really would just like to coach people. Guido's a little bit like that. He really likes the coaching stuff. He's starting to get back to creating again, but you know, he likes the stability and security of having that backing. Whereas I'm very much the opposite. I very much like being an independent person. I don't play well in the same sandbox with others. I love seeing people successful. I love helping people, but I really can't, I really very much like it being totally alone. So, I can see it from both ends. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be part of a bigger community and organization either. Like, I think that's a, a noble thing. Um, and I think there's a lot of coaches out there who've been doing it for a while. And in fact, I think there's probably a lot of the really good ones, well-known people in your organization. They did it on their own, right? They've been out there. They've written articles. Like, look at Jeb, Jeb, Jeb Johnson. You know, he's yep. written articles for Muscle and Fitness and other stuff. And I think, you know, for someone like Jeb, he probably, he loves the creative part, but I think he's much more interested in being part of that team and organization than he is out there constantly trying to be a name in the industry. Yeah. It's, I mean, dude, it's so, it's crazy. And one of my passions is like helping these people out, like not even in our organization. Like I had calls today with industry coaches. They're like, help me out. I need to grow my business. I don't know how to get clients. I'm losing clients this way. 
this situation happened. And I'm just like, dude, hop on Zoom with me. I'll bullshit with you for an hour. I don't even care. And they're like, what do I owe you? I'm like, nothing. I don't give a crap. Maybe one day I'll charge for something. But now I don't need to do that. I, I think this is like, if I can help anyone, that's what I'll do. And I, when I talk to these individuals, I don't talk to them like I'm CEO of a company of 70 something people with a bunch of revenue. I talk to them like I was them when I had three clients, four clients, five clients. And that's the, that's the missing piece in the industry really is like everyone that's trying to sell some advice is like selling advice to the person that like is nothing like them or never really crossed the same paths they did. It's like you read my mind. I even have a question prepared that you pretty much already went into. I want to say one more thing about the coaching stuff. And I was going to come back to someone like Derek. How do you feel when someone is really thriving as a brand and then they turn around and they say, you know what? Like, I really do want to step out on my own. I don't, I don't mind. I mean, there's always like, there's that part that's like, shit, I'm losing a really good person. And my company now doesn't have that. Uh, value of that individual anymore but then there's also the the morality part and the ethical part and the the part that truly is me that says do it if you can do it go do it if that's what you want to do i want you to do it because the last thing you want as a business owner is someone in your organization who doesn't want to be there so if you know and I, i talk to derek all the time he's like one of my favorite people i love seeing him do well (laughs) <laughs> and that's like no bullshit because what kind of person would I be if I want to see one of my people leave and fail? That's like the most messed up thing that I could ever think of. I want them to do well. Exactly. Right. In converse, like converse to wanting to see them fail. If you become known as someone who grows people that are so good at what they do, that some of them step out and are very successful brands that reflects incredibly well on you and your organization. My guess is most of the coaches are going to love it there and want to stay, but we know there's been a few notable departures. You know, another guy, Jason Falcon, love the guy. Oh, yeah. Awesome, yeah. Awesome dude, right? And, you know, and he was a big part of, you know, some of your guys' early stuff, right? Your systems, if I'm, if yeah. I'm not right. Awesome and, dude. Love him. Yep. Awesome, awesome guy. And I'm sure you're thrilled to see these guys successful. I bet you any money, you know, they would feel comfortable calling you going, hey, you know, it's not, it's like the, the person who's like broken up with you or that calls you or they have a problem with a new girlfriend, but it's like, Hey man, you know, I'm struggling with this. And I know you're the type of person who'll get on the phone. I, I tell them, I say, dude, like if you guys need help, like I will talk to you about stuff. I will try to point you in the right direction. It's and, not weird or anything. And of course there's always the fail safe of, you know, the, the safety net of, okay, you know, Hey, I gave this a shot. And you know what? It wasn't what I thought it was. I bet you any money, those two guys call you and say, Hey, I'd love to come back. You'd be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. They don't, they don't, they didn't burn bridges. Like that's the thing. Like when you leave a job, like it's almost as important as how you did the job. If you go out and you're just like, screw you, screw them. They sucked. This is awful. I'm not going to look at you again. I wish you well, but that's not my cup of tea. Like just be chill, man. No, a lot of really good advice there for any trader, especially as you're leaving a commercial gym. I, uh, I had an okay leaving it that the relationship soured much, much later on. But, you know, anyone who kind of in the know about that story knows that it's kind of on their end in a very big way because very, very few of the old employees have kind words. But I don't want to get on that topic either. But you did mention John Goodman and, you know, talking about the business stuff. So I literally had this put together. And, you know, you and I were two of the 15 people he asked to contribute to his book 
getting clients and referrals, right? It's part of the Wealthy Fit Pro series. You got an entire chapter. I got 10 pages, so you got featured, but you know, I still thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I love it. Yeah. Honestly, anyone listening, if you haven't already picked up this book, it's it's awesome. It's a really damn good book. It is the book that you should be reading if you're struggling with the business side of your work. And even John was on a recent podcast saying it was the one that performed the least well, which means a lot of you guys listening have not read it yet. So it's so crazy. Book. It's so crazy to me. That is the missing piece. Get better at business and getting clients and retaining them. You know enough, like almost... I'm pretty sure your listeners are so damn good at fitness and nutrition stuff that if they never learned a new thing again, they'd be fine. I'm not saying don't learn more. I, I was actually talking to Derek about this about an hour ago. Learn as much as you can, but make sure that you're not like wasting time learning something you already know when there's other things that are still missing in your toolbox. Don't read that 15th article on how to perform a Romanian deadlift when you need, you know, business skills as a trainer. Right. We are going to double back around. The other topic uh, was financial literacy, but first let's do the business thing. And, you know, you and I both share a lot of fitness business success stuff. Okay. And neither one of us does formal mentorship. You don't charge for it. You know, I get messages all the time of this sort of stuff. I, I love these kind of questions. I love these conversations. I have the, I am the last person who wants to become a business coach. Right. And there are good people in our space and a lot of scuzzy ones. I, you know, I ultimately think people like John Goodman and uh, Jordan Syatt are two of the better destinations for people to go and learn, you know, the fitness business stuff from because there's a ton of free information. And then you can go down the rabbit hole of maybe hiring them and their mentorships or their or, or John's uh, online training certification. But where does your passion for helping people who aren't your clients come from? Why do you do it? I honestly don't know. I mean... It's probably some like weird, like selfish thing that makes me feel good. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, I think there's like some research on that. Like, why do people do nice things? Well, mainly it's because it makes them feel good. I mean, I just want to see people thrive and do better. And maybe, yeah, it does make me feel good. I don't know. It's just, I love it. I like problem solving. I like playing detective and who knows, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. And part of me just wants to show people that I know things. I have no idea, man. I'm probably a little bit crazy, but it really is like, dude, I fucking love it. Like if someone's like, Hey man, I don't know how to do this thing. You might have seen it. Can you help me? Yes. I'll, I'll give you an hour of my time and we'll do it. For me. One thing that always stands out is I mean, last month in October was my 10 year anniversary in the industry. And just today, I shared, I think you, yeah, you come. I love, I love that. I love, I don't want to cut you off, but I love when you can see where someone came from and where they are now. Yeah. And I think I was three weeks. So anyone who's not a Facebook friend, uh, you can follow me on Facebook, but honestly, like I'm at, way more active on Instagram. And I put up a post, I guess, three weeks into being a trainer 10 years ago. And it just about how, you know, I was, you know, there's a lot to learn, but I, you know, I thought there was a lot of potential. And of course I, I saw this in my memories and I didn't remember the post. I'm looking at this going, well, that was an understatement uh, to say the least. And it's been a really cool 10 years. So anytime I have someone who is newer to the business or, you know, it's been doing it a while, but they're still trying to step up and, and make a lot of progress. I mean, no one knew the fuck I was except the first seven years of my career. The last three have been kind of an interesting thing where, you know, I've got a lot of broad, broader reach with writing and podcasting and, and just my travels. I met you through my travels. Yeah. And Mike Isretel shared your post, put you on the map. No. <laughs> well, you know, that's something that I have talked a bit about is the fact that, you know, Mike Isertel, I think has shared five of my 
things on his wall, not just his story, but his wall on his Instagram in front of his 140,000 people. That got me a lot of new followers. Yeah. yeah. And that came from having Mike, I think Mike was one of the, him and Dean Somerset would have been the first two like known names in the industry I had as Facebook friends. And I've known Dean for years because we worked for the same company before. But, and then I met Mike when uh, he did a conference here. I ended up kind of in the inner circle of that that uh, event. So I sat down and had dinner with a very small group and hung out with him and got to know him a bit. And, you know, he's one of the earliest podcast guests Dean and I had on. And, you know, anytime that they've come to town, him and his team, we always sit down and we have a, you know, a dinner together. And, you know, Mike's an awesome dude. And, you know, much later on, as I put effort into finally, you know, growing Instagram following this year, Mike keeps turning around and sharing my stuff, right? So, and that's been a significant driver of new followers. But you can't plan that stuff. That's all yeah, no. relationships. You but, just put put out good posts and see what happens. And that, that's what it boils down to. Uh, totally. And within those posts, kind of coming back to what we were talking about, I try to share a whole bunch of stuff in particular about like just being creative, putting your stuff out there and, and not being afraid to share it because, well, you know, you're not a Mike Isertel, right? Because no one's a fucking Mike Isertel. But it's like one of him here, you know? <laughs> It's probably, you know, what's funny is I had Dr. Jordan Shallow, uh, the muscle duck on here and Jesus, he's actually kind of close. He's got the same sort of sense of humor and he's really intelligent. So it's almost like, like a, a second version of him, but, uh, yeah, like Mike is unique and we're grateful to have one of them. Three or four of them running around might be terrifying, especially with the jujitsu skills at his size. But this whole, I really got off track there. I really enjoy sharing things that I've worked my way through, I'm still working my way through, or I found some success through struggling with it. And then it's like, well, if I've dealt with this, chances are other people have. Like imposter syndrome keeps coming up in every episode I've had for the last 10 or so, or- I think of it every single day. Yeah, or struggling to come up with ideas. I had, you know, create a block a couple of days ago and I couldn't come up with anything to share on my social media or- you know, looking at the following growth right now, where, you know, if I gain like 15 followers in a day, it's a really bad day. Whereas when I first started this quest with under 3000 followers, like 10 fo new followers in a day, was a really goddamn good day, right? Like it's crazy. I only get like two to four. <laughs> uh, you're also not sharing a lot of like shareable stuff on your wall. And yeah. My, my personal Instagram is more like my life with some fitness food stuff in there. Exactly. Now, if you decided to turn around and start sharing things that creating things that are very shareable, because there's very specific things that are really shareable. Infographics have worked for a long time. They still work. They're not, you know, everybody's doing them now. So they don't stand out when uh, as much as when like Carter Gooden, Jordan Syatt were blowing them up everywhere. But the, the Twitter stuff that I've been doing is super popular. That stuff just seems to be People see it, they like it. I like that idea. Boom, they share it. It's it's everywhere. It's big words. It's big words. It it gets to the point quickly, and then the caption elaborates on it. And that's like I like I refuse to do it because I just don't want to be like everybody else. But I'll share like a I'll share a screenshot of my Facebook post. But I know like the words are small and yeah. it's not as legible and it won't do as well. Like those little things matter. It, it's still it's still something that is shareable. However, and I think if, if you keep it smaller and less stuff in there, great. I, I think, I don't know if you noticed, but Jeb and Dean have started on the Twitter stuff now. So oh, I, I know, I know what everyone's up to. <laughs> I'm talking to Dean about it, giving up some little here, do this, don't do this, whatever. It's like the third time he did that knock, knock thing. It's like, 
Hey, dude, everybody thinks it's the same post. They're just seeing the first part and they're not reading the rest. So yep. change it up. You said, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> right. But I like this stuff about, you know, content creation, content sharing to encourage people because at one point I started to write. My friend made a website for me. I've been way behind on a website and I started to write articles because I was interested in it. And then that turned into, you know, Mike Howard uh, became, you know, a friend of mine through my travels, uh, going to Tim Arnt's uh, conference, Inland Empire. Those guys are great too. I love Mike and Tim. They're awesome. And so, you know, knowing Mike, and I didn't realize that he was one of the ones that picked the articles for the weekly best for the PTDC. And then, you know, mine gets submitted and all of a sudden it's on this list and one thing leads to another and I keep writing and getting more attention for it. And then more and more eyes are on it. Lou Schuler's reading this stuff. And then, uh, you know, through the everything, I connect with uh, Danny Sugar of T Nation and I've been reading T Nation for forever, you know, since I very first started out as a trainer and invited her on as a podcast guest, chatted with her. And meanwhile, she turns around and starts getting into her podcast and reading my writing. And she's like, listen, you know, it, and I have told this story so many times. So she's sheepish. Like I would, like I would say no when she, yeah. asked, you know, Hey, would you come write for us? I'm like, my God. Yes. She was afraid I would say no. Like, nah, I, I don't want to bother writing. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, Jesus. I, I, I always try to hide my, uh, my excitement, but anyway, that's been a lot of fun. I was working on something today to collaborate with a couple of guys in the industry. So that's a, a project that I love, but that didn't happen, you know, overnight or, uh, or without a lot of really important relationships in the, um, in the industry that I've made through my travels. So I think one of the important things just to summarize the content creation stuff is, you know, you have to be consistent and you have to create good stuff, but it, it's really important to have re- industry relationships. You know, a big account sharing is going to go a long way. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I always joke, like I really want to get 10,000 followers so I could finally share some links in my stories, but I don't really put effort into trying to get followers on my personal I mean, maybe I should, I don't know. Well, I think it's also important not to, I mean, I talk about building following and I'm open about it and I think that's okay, but it's like getting clients too. Don't focus on getting new clients, focus on serving the existing clients. I'm writing stuff, writing stuff for anyone who's already there to enjoy, to be valuable to them, right? To interact with those people. If they share that with other people and that audience grows, that's amazing. And I have the same incentive. You know, I, I like the idea of the swipe up function because it does make a difference in here, you know, go to my bio and go to my link tree and click on this link and go check out my article versus here to swipe no up. One's gonna go. No, no one goes like when I see someone, they're like, it's someone I care about that. I want to consume their content and that I have to go through three different links just to get to it. Right. You lost my attention. I'm, I'm gone. Totally. Right. And like, I do get a few clicks on some of this stuff, but I mean, it's not the, the same number because you can look at the metrics that you'd like to see it. So the swipe up would actually have value given the fact that I'm doing some of the other things I'm doing now. So there's my there. I, I had another thought that I want to bounce over into. And it's, you know, I've, I've spoken of Stronger You on many episodes. And so anyone listening would have heard me talk about you guys. So you're obviously growing into a bigger and bigger dog in the nutrition coaching space. And I think in a way you somehow, you sort of follow in some of the footsteps of precision nutrition. It's not a carbon copy of it, but you know, you're in the same space. They are, they're just a bigger entity. They've been around longer. Have you thought about, do you want to stay as an exclusively coaching company or have you ever thought about designing your own certification or, or creating educational stuff, given the fact that you are passionate about sharing, um, you know, that things that will help trainers. 
Yeah, it's a really good question. And as of right now, I don't have a goal to like make a certification and sell it and be like, hey, you're stronger, you certified, but you don't actually coach here. You're just using the name out there. I don't know if I want to do that. If I'm going to certify people, I want them to be on our team. And we just had um, Ben House. He just created an, an internal educational piece for our entire staff. So we're doing a lot on the internal side. I just don't think, I don't think I would do that, but I, I don't want to say never. I think to me, like I'm, I'm very careful about like doing what I think is, is right for like my uh, long-term goals. And I think to me, that would just be like a money grab. And I don't want to do that. It would also be very time consuming to put together the curriculum. Yeah, I'm, I'm not prepared for that. Like sit me in a room and say the word protein and we'll talk for two hours, but I'm not going to write up like college level curriculum around it. I'm not, I'm not prepared for that. Again, I, you know, I was talking to, to Derek again and we're just talking like, do we really know that much stuff? Like there's people like, you know, Mike Isretel, that dude would run laps around us when, when it comes to like the nitty gritty nutritional science. But if you put us in the grocery store with the average struggling eater, we can blow these people's minds. And I told Derek, I said, that's, that's what we're doing. We're just really good at helping those people. We don't need to know all that stuff all the time. It's good to learn, but you're not a failure as a coach if you don't know how to recite the Krebs cycle. Because if you ask me how to do it, I'm going to leave the room and say, eh, this guy, I'll take it. Well, there is something you just said. Have you thought of, or how could you create educational information products, if you will, for the end user to reach further that makes someone navigate the grocery store and their everyday nutrition better versus the high level abstract nutritional science? Yeah, I would much rather do stuff like that and sell like products or services in that sense, rather than arm the industry for them to do it. Because as, like, as much as I like helping everyone, I want to be the place that everybody comes to. I want people to be stronger you members. I'll help you be a better coach and even build a better business. But at the end of the day, if you and I are being considered where a member, if a member is considering where to go, I want them to come this way. No, that's fair. That absolutely makes sense. Um, I guess we could also jam on the financial literacy thing I was talking about too. And if you have other thoughts, you can bounce around. I know we're bouncing around a bit today. But this is something you said to me in our conversation before this was your frustration with just, you know, how trainers didn't have this. And I, I think this extends to our fucking general population. I don't think anybody's taught this stuff. So it's not to single out trainers. It's just that trainers don't know what to fucking do with their money when they start making it. So, yeah. you know, how, how do you intend to approach this problem in terms of like teaching people or <laughs> what, do you, what do you have in mind? Dude, I, I joke all the time because like I have a background in banking and then I got into human resources and I was like, I was the guy responsible for trying to get everyone on the 401k plans. And when they were like, Mike, I don't want to, I don't want to get up on the 401k plan because my paycheck is less. And I'm like, listen, Mary, when you're 65, you're going to thank me that you got on this thing. And that's kind of the thing that I want. Like, I joke that I'm going to start a business one day that does what we do with Stronger You, but for personal finance for people. Because it's the same damn behaviors. Everyone wants it now. No one thinks of later. Nobody cares about the money when they're 65. They want that check or that money right now so they can buy the shoes or the trip or whatever. 
And I just want, I want to tell people like, just chill out. Like, think about what you really need. Reframe what you think enough is and set that shit aside, anything extra, because one day you might not have it and you're going to wish you saved it. And I think it's the same thing with food. It's like, you tell me 1500 calories is too low, but you're only saying it's too low because you're used to 3000 calories. This is literally enough food, but you just don't want it to be. And the same thing can be for money. And I'm not like, I'm not blind to people's struggles. I'm very aware of it. I just want to make sure that people know that sometimes they can stretch their dollars a little further and they can plan a little bit better. And I hate seeing people struggle. I, I want everyone to do well. I think it goes to the human nature of things that you alluded to that we don't think that far ahead into the future. I've written on this a little bit and I like, I can't remember where I've seen this, but I know this is a thing. If you can stop and picture, you know, you 20 years from now, or, you know, a, a retirement age, you, whatever that is, and visualize that person, right? Make that not an abstract future far off concept that you have no relation with, but see you. And that humanizes that future version of you. And you are far more likely to make decisions, financial or, and, and honestly, for everyone listening as a coach, use this example with your clients because it helps with decisions about eating and lifestyle and health right. as much as it does with financial decisions. But if they can tap into their future selves, they're going to be a little bit kinder to that person versus, you know, they don't feel any kindness for an abstract future, you know, hey, something they can't relate to. So try that example with your clients if you're having trouble breaking through. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it will. And there's a name to it. Uh, episodic future thinking. Just picture yourself in the future and you're probably going to make a lot better decisions when you have that person in mind. I love that. I got to write that down. And yeah, that applies to, you know, getting your clients to make better eating decisions, better activity decisions. I um, mean, shit, look at the, the shit storm that we're dealing with right now in 2020 and the piece of information that we seem to have yep. that we need to be more focused on is the fact that, you know, it, COVID is having disproportionately bad effects on people who are obese, who have major lifestyle, you know, uh, diseases, and we can't reverse that stuff in a few weeks, but okay. It's just one more reason saying, Hey, you know, it, this is not about shaming someone who's overweight. And, and you know what, if, if you run into people who it comes to, it goes to what I say earlier, if you run into people who default to that argument, well, those people are actually a problem because they are standing in the way of helping the people who want help, who actually want to be healthier long-term and they're looking for solutions. And we're all speaking to the people who want solutions. If you've got some social justice warrior, sorry, but true, who is fighting that battle with you, they are not the person you're trying to talk to. So you know what? Fucking block them, get rid of them. Honestly, okay. don't even give them the time of day. They are not helping your mission. They are gonna sap your energy. They're gonna be there to stress you out. For everybody else, long-term, you know what? The healthier body weight that you, you have, then the better your blood pressure is, the better your blood sugar is, you know, not having diabetes, not having hypertension. Um, I repeated myself there. Those things we now know that people who don't have those morbid issues are having on average way better COVID outcomes. Okay, cool. So do we know for a fact that this is going to be the last time we'll ever have a pandemic in the history of, you know, our lifetime? We don't know that. We know that these things are all causing 
other lifestyle issues and it's on average statistically killing people sooner. Okay, it is true. So maybe this is finally the thing that tips people over the edge because it's scary to say, okay, I need to start making some better decisions for my future, right? And I don't like shaming people. I don't like using fear-based marketing. I don't agree with those things. But it doesn't mean you can't have an intelligent conversation with people to get them in touch with their future self to want to make better decisions so that way they have you know, better quality of life in addition to just more quantity. Because you can keep quantity going for a long time with medication and all kinds of Band-Aids, but it doesn't mean the quality of life is very good. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this time of year, uh, November, we know, statistically speaking, this is when a lot of people gain weight that they never lose. So they come into this new year with good intentions. They think they're going to lose weight, but they pack on weight. They never should have gained in the first place. If I start talking about that, I might have someone say, wait, are you trying to capitalize on when people gain weight just to get them on the program before January 1st? Uh, yes, technically I am. I want them to sign up now because I think it's going to do them a very good service that they're not going to gain weight that they don't have to gain. Why wait until January 1st? To me, it doesn't make sense because especially when you know you're going to sign up for Stronger You or any program on January 1st, it means you're probably going on a mental vacation. And the last thing you want is a vacation with your habits around cookies and cake and all that shit for two months. Think about this. You know, how many coaches do you have right now? Like 65. Okay. Uh, maybe ballpark, how many clients do you have? If you can answer that question. Oh, active over 5,000. Okay. And then in the lifetime of the company, how many people have you worked with, or at the very least have had very good outcomes, sustainable long-term outcomes? Yeah. 40,000 ish people. So Already, you very well may have changed the long-term lifestyle trajectory, health, quality of life of 40,000 people from an idea that you had, you know, in your basement, uh, you know, medical. Yeah. How good does that feel? It's fucking crazy, man. Like that, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Everyone just wants to make a difference. You know what I mean? And it's like, holy shit, we've helped that many people. So we can assume their families are better. Their friends are probably better. And we've given people in the industry who are such awesome people and coaches, good jobs. Like that's the thing that's like, it's almost like growth and finance finances is like a bad thing. It's like, yeah, but okay. My business is doing well. Like, yeah, I benefited, but look at all the other benefits that this company has created. It's amazing. I love every second of it. And I like that you put that in too, because you reached it before I did about the fact that you created 65 jobs, right? And, and those jobs were stable. I mean, yeah, I think everybody, it was a little tight, but those jobs were essentially stable during, you know, a really nasty economic yeah. issue that we faced this year. Right. Right. I'm guessing we didn't lose anybody. We started looking to hire shortly after. Oh, see, that's a good position to be in. So that's noble. And I don't think, I think everybody who's listening would probably agree, but there's nothing immoral about earning a great living, making people's lives better. It's a totally noble pursuit. I <laughs> have no qualms about it. I sleep great every single night in my own bed instead of, you know, being off working in the oil field. I think I've never had to do that, but, uh, you know, I know a lot of people up in here in Alberta where that's a thing, but I sleep great in my own bed knowing that I earn a great living and, 
you know, the reach that I've had across all the clients that I've worked with over time, it's not 40,000 and, you know, the scalability of a company like yours, but it's changed a lot of lives. And, and it's true. There are people who I've worked with who are running around getting the people in their worlds more active. And sometimes they bring them directly to me, but oftentimes it's just further reaching effects throughout their entire family. Dude, I think it's, it's the craziest thing. It's like in our industry, and I say this all the time, everyone has permission to steal this line. We sell better lives. That's what we sell. We're not selling personal training or nutrition coaching. We sell better lives. And if we can all make a living doing it, then why the hell is anyone mad at us? Like it, a lot of that is projected because someone does their job and they want to pick on you about it. That sucks, but and, and we're you know I'm not going to go down that road, but we're getting into like some social ideological sort of attitudes that you know I just can't get. I mean I can't get behind the whole idea that you know being able to earn a profit from developing a business is a bad thing. You know yes we know that gets carried away on the very very high ends, but you know what I, I just can't subscribe to the idea that business is bad because you know business is also and the taxes from business are what are paying for all these great social programs that we certainly have here in Canada. Right, being Canadian we have you know, universal health care. And it's not perfect, but it's, you know, it's pretty awesome in a lot of ways. And so, you know, some of the same people screaming for more health care are also the people who are screaming that profit, you know, profiting is wrong. But again, that's ideological stuff. So we're going to stay away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what else have you been up to? Have you been reading anything interesting or? Dude, or- I read, yeah. So I read, uh, I don't, it's so funny, man. I, go into these bookstores and Amazon with the best intentions. I order a lot of books and then I start going through them and I'm like, this is bullshit that I saw already in six other books. So I'm trying to like go down different routes now. So I just read uh, the psychology of money, which I thought was really good. Um, That really just, it's, there's so many parallels with like our industry and the financial industry. And I just have a passion for it. So I, I picked that up. I read that in like a week and a half. I was very proud of myself. Um, I still need to finish, uh, what was it? I still need to finish change maker, but it's, I think that book is amazing. Right. I think it's, it's like, I mean, I'm a little further along than many of the people I think it's, it's geared towards, but I got a ton of value out of that. I think it's awesome. I would love to sit down with Berardi for a couple hours and just bullshit with him. He's a smart guy. I mean, we were really fortunate to have him on the podcast a while back when Dean was still with my co-host. So if anybody's listening who's been fairly new to this and you like John Berardi, yeah, we actually had him on as a guest. and He was just mind-blowing. He's really cool. So go back to that one. Uh, that book's on my radar. I saw, I keep an eye on Luca Hosovar post and he posts a shit ton of books. And I don't even know how he manages to read them all physically unless he's a speed reader. I do a ton yeah, of yeah. I think a lot of, like, I don't know Luca, but I know a lot of people that probably buy a lot of books that don't read them. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like... I don't know, book stuff. It's like the cool thing to share all your books because everyone thinks you're smart. And I've done it before. I'm like, ooh, a book. I buy it. I get it. I post it on Instagram. I get instant gratification. And then I'm like, fuck this thing. I don't want to read this. And then I'm like, shit, everybody just thought I read that. Do I need to do like a follow-up and say, hey, I skipped it? Well, I, I buy a lot of books now. And I got into a phase where I was just straight audio. And I still listen to tons of audiobooks. But what I'll do is I'll go grab something I... If I loved it on audio, I'll get a physical copy. Yeah. And hey, you're supporting the author a little bit, but I like having the collection you can see behind me. Yeah. Well, I like to highlight. That's why I can't do audiobooks. So I sit there with a highlighter in my head 
And that's how I get a lot of my content. I'll just, I'll read something. I'll come across a idea. I'll highlight, I'll take a note. And then, you know, four hours later, I finally finish reading again. He steals it. Actually, I'm just halfway throughout like a quick little book. It's actually great. It's called steal like an artist. Dude, I, did I tell you about this? This, I swear to God, is probably like why Stronger You is what it is. I That was the book I read when I first got started. And then I read the follow-up, Show Your Work. I'll do and, that. Oh, my God, dude. That That is like, it's the littlest, smallest, quickest book. But it's so full of amazing shit. <laughs> I love that. I got really excited there. You can tell. Yeah, you know, I, I did know that that book meant anything to you. It popped up on something recently, and I'm like, fuck. And then, of course, I look for things on audio first because I didn't know what the hell it was, and it doesn't exist on audio. Once you have it, you realize why. It's like art. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it would be you, you'd be done it in like 30 minutes, and I listen on two times speed, right? So it was just pff, gone. But uh, really cool book. I think anybody should pick up a copy of it. It's, it's something you can always come back to. It's kind of like it's even smaller than Stephen Pressfield's uh, The War of Art, which. If you need something when you're struggling for motivation to create, just sit down and read that book. Super short or listen to it. I, I love it. I'll come back to it every once in a while just for a kick in the pants. And Pressfield writes great but really short stuff. Uh, yeah, Psychology and Money, it's on my radar. I'm doing How I Built This by Guy Raz, which I think is pretty popular. It's making the rounds in the industry right now. That's on. And he's got a podcast too. He has like a bunch of like startup founders on there. I, I listen to some of them, but... You know, I, I try to, and maybe we're getting off topic, but I try to like learn from some of these people, like these big startup, like Peloton guys and all this. And I'm like, their story is nothing like mine. I can't really relate because they're, you know, top schools. I went to community college, like, all right, dude, I can't even pay attention to this. Like tens of millions of dollars in funding. I'm here just trying to use some of our profits to grow. So it's a very different situation, but. I think you can glean little lessons, but I think the specifics of what they do, like you go into Tim Ferriss's books, like Tools of Titans and uh, Tribe of Mentors. First of all, there's a lot of fluff and bullshit in there, but I, I enjoy it. Number one, it's entertaining. There's interesting stories. But two, don't look for the specifics of what people did, but look for the underlying philosophies and attitudes. And that's where I always go. I like books on yeah. you know, everyday philosophy about how, you, how your mindset about stuff. Um, fuck, I was talking about Extreme Ownership by uh, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. That one is a great book. That's a great way to approach shit. Or, you know, some of Seth Godin's stuff. Lynchpin is full of great stuff like that. Or Ryan Holiday's Obstacles of the Way. These are some of my favorite all-time books. Or Slight Edge by Greg Olson. Is it Greg Olson? Yeah, I own a lot of these. I haven't, I haven't read them all. <laughs> great books. And these are the first things I refer to people to go and do. And Cal Newport's uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Yep. These will establish some fundamental basic principles of how you should fucking approach your career and no matter what the hell you do and probably life. And what you'll find is you'll probably just find this stuff aligns with you. If you're in our space and are listening to this, then you're going to read these books and go, fuck yeah. Like I think that too, versus going, whoa, I never thought of that. And now I'm changing my complete attitude three, you know, 180 degrees from where it was. It's probably going to align with you if you're listening to this anyway, but good books and it'll cement some of these attitudes that are starting to already form as you get deeper and deeper in the industry. So I like this. Yeah. And I'll always say though, like with the books, you can get, you can get consumed with them. Like make sure you're still doing good work, not just reading about how to do good work. Yeah. My article, you know, content one-on-one create yep. more, consume less. Like I'm, yep, I yep. love this sort of thing. It is so easy because how productive do you feel when you're reading? 
right? And you notice that, oh shit, I'm supposed to go and do this project or I'm supposed to, you know, oh, I want to start launch this YouTube channel or I want to launch this podcast. And all of a sudden you start finding, you're reaching for the book that you're procrastinating a lot quicker because you get to procrastinate from the podcast or the YouTube. So it's really emotionally soothing to go and read because you feel like you're doing something good. It goes back to earlier about continuing to read more nutrition and training stuff where you're already really good at that. So that's why I like audiobooks so much. I'll use my free downtime. I got a few hours today, so I was picking away on some articles and I got a, um, a project with my email marketing I'm working on instead of popping open a book while I was, you know, at Evolve between clients. And that's better use of my time is, you know, the creative side of stuff. And then, you know, if I want to wind down, you know, an hour before better order, that's when I pop open a book or, you know, I'm listening to the audiobook on the drive. Those things are, are, they fit in after everything else, all the other boxes are checked off. They are not top priorities for me. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it depends on who you are, I guess. Like there's times where when I read a book, I'll, I feel very productive because I don't do it as often as I'd like to do it. So when I do, I'm like, all right, cool, man. You got like productivity points but I know it's taking from something else. And then with me, like my time, like I spend a shit ton, ton of time on social media and a lot of it isn't like posting things as much as it is like interacting with our clients. So like, you know, people will be like, Oh, he lives on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, but my, my clients are there and I'm helping them. And like, they see a CEO that like knows who his customers are, who will literally go get coffee with anyone and, enjoys time being spent with them. And that's like, that's my job. Like, Alessi's going to do all the boring business shit. I'll do the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Cool. Yeah. I'm like, dude, here's my idea. How do we do it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have any, I want to bounce back to the, the, uh, the financial literacy. Do you have anything specific that you suggest traders who are struggling with it? I'm going to throw out, cause we mentioned Chad Landers earlier and I know Chad and James Krieger they have been working on a project directly involved with financial literacy. So uh, I'd say, you know, dig into what they're doing for starters for everyone listening. Yeah, yeah. But do you have anything actionable for people to, to do? Man, I think it's like, it's like, what do you, because I think I'm talking to a lot of people have, who have two jobs in this industry. There's a lot of people that are like, I don't know what to do. I need to leave my regular job and go all in on this. And I think there's a lot of people that want to do that way too early. So I think it's really good to have like some kind of cushion and make it way more than you think you need. Like, you know, I, I used to have, when I was training people out of my garage, when I was trying to leave my full-time job, I was like, once I have $15,000 saved, I'm out. Like I'm going to just like flip a desk and take off. And then I pivoted to the online nutrition and I had much more than that before I felt comfortable. And that was like, I knew I was getting into something stable and I wasn't going to do anything desperate. And I think the worst position any human could be in is a point of desperation. Like no one, no one's going to date you when you're desperate. No one's going to buy shit from you when you're desperate. So set the systems in place, work hard at your regular job, build your side hustle, whatever you want to call it, and make sure that that thing's going to go well when you leave. And while you're doing it, save all that money. Like when I was doing uh, nutrition stuff after training, I was banking my paychecks from my, from my regular job. I was like, how much, like, can I live off this? And then it finally caught up. So I think it's really just, you know, paying attention to the future, save your fucking money, 
I hope I can curse. I'm pretty sure we can on this one. Um, because it's like, don't like, if you have a regular job, you're making okay money and you're training people are doing online nutrition. You're going to look at that as like extra money. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Put it away, start a IRA or something, get a good accountant. Don't play around with this stuff because it might just run out one day and you don't want that to happen. Uh, funny we're mentioning uh what is it, guy raz in his podcast well the book how i built this he mentions what's the what's the guy's name uh it's damon the guy who founded fubu and he's one of the guys on shark tank what the hell's his last name i forget his last name i, I, I and i feel terrible because i i never read any of his stuff but he mentioned them in this podcast well, when he listens to the show he's gonna be upset he's gonna be totally upset <laughs> yeah. this dude was a waiter at red lobster while he was building fubu and so he kept that job for a very long time as he's building FUBU and FUBU caught on with the rap artists of its day. And I think it was like the early nineties when that all blew up as a brand. But yeah, he kept that job. He liked the job, but he only left that I think after like, he did that job for about seven years, well into the early days of FUBU before he finally went all in. And you in the, I, I'm pretty sure you told the story on the first time you were on the podcast with us about how you stayed with your old company long after i was there 13 months i did both for 13 months and i was i mean and i say this like i was i think like my last couple months at that job i was making more with stronger you per month than i was per year at that job and i still didn't want to quit yet i was still like no man i don't know if this is a thing and my my now wife and some of my really good friends were like dude get out of there and like one, a couple local guys I know that are entrepreneurs, they're like, dude, it might be costing you money to keep that job. And that never crossed my mind because when I quit my job, I did it because I was like, man, I'm going to have all this free time. And then I got that free time. And then I really tried to blow it up. Now oh, that makes total sense. Now I appreciate you coming on here, man. It's great to catch up with you and talk to you. So obviously people need to know where to find you. Uh, where do you find me? Instagram at Mdola. You could figure out how to spell it. I mean, this this is probably why I don't have 10,000 followers because no one knows how to spell my name or say it. <laughs> H-L-A. And uh, obviously you're active on Facebook, so you're a good follow on Facebook as well. Yeah, I live there. I live on Facebook, so you could find me on there. Guys, you know, connect with Mike seriously. Uh, as we're talking about it, he really does love talking, you know, being successful, figuring out problems you're dealing with. So Go check out what he's doing. I know hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If you are someone who's relatively new or you found this through, you know, Mike's media or you're one of the stronger you community, appreciate having you here. If you like it, go back and check out the the former, the older episodes that I had with Mike on there. And we've got a smattering of other stronger you coaches in the mix too. We've had Jeb on before and Derek and, you know, Robbie Farlow and it just, it goes pretty deep into the ranks of them. So, um, hopefully you'll find something in the old episodes that you really enjoy. And if you like, like it, stick around, subscribe. And one of the ways that I can reach more people with the great guests I've been bringing on and the stuff we talk about is if you share it with one friend, you know, I know like posting up your Instagram story, tag me, love that stuff. But I've got a lot of messages about someone who just finds this. Oh man, I love this. I've been sharing with all the trainers I work with at my gym or whatever. You imagine, you know, in a, in a gym space, you know, all the trainers start listening to this kind of stuff and absorbing the stuff that you and John Goodman and Mike Isertel and Tony Gentilcore and Lee Boyce are all saying week over week over week. That's going to ex exponentially grow the mindset and the success of that team. So share it with someone you care about. 
I really appreciate you being here. Reach out to me, connect with me personally, follow me on Instagram if you're not already, Andrew Coates Fitness. And, and thanks for being here. Mike, always Dude, a pleasure. Thank you. I, I love you all. And I'm, I swear I mean it. Like if you need help or you want to just bullshit, just hit me up and we'll find some time. And if this makes like 10,000 people hit me up, I'll be a little overwhelmed. We could do a group Zoom meeting. <laughs> uh, thanks again, brother. Take care, right. guys. And uh, stay tuned for next week.